This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, it's probably uh, not that much of a surprise to hear that global emissions are down around 17% in the time frame from January through April due to, in part, probably the coronavirus pandemic. Lockdowns in place, uh, there isn't as much air and car travel leading to a lower number of recently published in the journal Nature Climate Change. But is that shift only temporary until travel picks up, uh, picks back up? We're joined uh, on the phone right now by Eric Ortz, Director of the Initiative for Global Environmental Leadership uh, at the Wharton School. Eric, great to talk to you again. Hope you're doing well. Hi, Dan. Good to talk with you, too. Yeah, everything's fine. Yeah, so uh, give us your reaction when when you heard about this news. Well, I think people were expecting the news, and we just had it confirmed. uh, uh, One of my colleagues is a climate scientist, and uh, we had a briefing on this, and so it's... uh, it's confirmed that we have significant reductions of greenhouse gas emissions as a result of the uh, COVID-19 shutdown. And this was expected because if you suddenly, uh, if everyone's suddenly staying at home and everyone is not driving and you have less uh, numbers of people uh, flying, you know, you've seen the pictures of lots of air airplanes parked in the, uh, parked on the, uh, parked on the pavement, basically, then you're going to have a reduction. And we have seen a significant reduction, as you indicated, at the top of 17 percent. And the big question, of course, is when we start to reopen, as uh, most of the states in the U.S., I think all of them have some uh, plan of reopening in process right now. What will there ever will there be any gains or will there just be a one time blip uh, of a reduction and then everything goes back to Normal, and the problem if everything goes back to normal is then you're not on a trajectory to get any kind of uh, long-term reductions. And as the scientists have been telling us for some time, if we don't do that, then uh, this crisis of COVID-19 is actually nothing compared to what uh, kind of uh, economic and other um, other kind uh, other catastrophe you're going to have if you don't do anything about the long-term problem, longer-term problem of climate change. And so I guess then the question is, Eric, is whether or not this this pandemic will end up having a a change of mindset, because I think that's what you're you're leaning towards in needing to have uh, with a lot of people here in the U.S. and and other locations around the globe. And that you need to have a change of mindset in in how you think about a lot of these issues. and, And that hopefully leads to some of the change that needs to occur. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. That's what we need. You need a change of mindset. This can't be something that you just have uh, forced down from the top. And uh, you need to have people, uh, you need to have a general shift where people are appreciating the problem. So I think there are a couple of uh, uh, indications that that could occur. So one is the appreciation of science. So if you think about where do people go to find out what is the best, uh, what's the best approach to the COVID-19 uh, you, you, you generally are going to the scientists, right? So Dr. Fauci, for example, is, uh, for most people, the, the go-to person. You're going to listen to the doctors. You're going to listen to experts. And the reason is it's a scientific problem. There's a lot of science that we know about how this is handled, and that's who you're going to go to. Now, you might then know the risks and still decide to engage in certain behavior, but when it comes to actually knowing what the problem is and agreeing what the problem is, I think you have more people agreeing science is the guide. So 
so I, I think that's encouraging with respect to climate because that's the challenge that we've been facing for many years now is that the scientists are speaking almost in one voice. Look, this is really serious. You guys have to do something about it. Greenhouse gas emissions cannot uh, keep occurring at this level. We're already seeing these problems of flooding, uh, increasing uh, intensity of storms, wildfires, et cetera. You have to wake up and kind of do something about it. And so I think that in that respect, this is really a potential wake-up call. I've called COVID-19 the canary in the coal mine of kind of the larger problem of the, of the climate crisis is that we really have to take that seriously. But you're absolutely right. You needed mindset change. And one, one area of mindset change is business, which I, and I think many businesses are actually ahead of the curve of most of the population on this. They see the problem coming down the pike and they're making shifts and there are some businesses that are more uh, tuned to this than others. But the bigger shift really has to be among the general public, because in a democracy like ours, uh, if you don't have everybody buying into the problem, it's really difficult to change anything. And that's really the biggest concern I see is that we would just kind of go back to normal. If we get a vaccine, uh, kind of say, okay, problem solved. But that's really not the uh, that's not the optimal outcome. And so, the, you know, I think you see a lot of positive change coming in other countries. I think you could see positive change in the United States as well, where people would say, well, we need to build this recovery out as a, um, you know, where are the jobs going to come from? You can imagine putting some practical uh, teeth into the Green New Deal ideas, right? right. You know, so not just as an idea of what we're going to do, but actually deciding here's uh, here's a uh, here's a jobs program, et cetera. So it is possible, but it's going to take, as you said, a mindset change that is then translated into our politics as well as our business uh, and everyday consumer behavior. You know, in the report that came out, uh, the largest decline was in China. And, and uh, you and I have talked in the past about how China and uh, with the different uh, mines and, and that they have uh, over in that country has really been uh, ramping up the, the the pollution that they have put uh, into uh, into the skies over the years. But I guess the question mm-hmm. with them is, is there enough? Do you think that there's a mindset change in China, one of the biggest emitters, if not the biggest emitter, to to really start to make a make a change to make an impact? Well, I think probably, you know, it's true that the policy levers are different if you look at China and the United States. And in the United States or in, in Western Europe, you have a democratic countries that if you have a mindset change among the general population, that then can pressure the government. And in, and in China and some other countries that have an authoritarian structure, you don't have that. But if you look at what de- determines the legitimacy of regimes really everywhere in the world, Part of it is, are you doing okay economically, and how are the people doing? So if you have people dying everywhere from a virus, you're going to have a very serious problem. And so it's true in China. It's true in the United States. And the vectors of pressure that for change in the society will be different, but both us, but everyone has to pay attention to that. And that's what we have seen in the past with respect to viruses. So these are world problems. So... In the end, you have to have world approaches, as we did, for example, in the Ebola crisis where, yeah. uh, or in other kinds of pandemics. And my, sen- my sense is we're going to move back to that because you really can't solve these problems individually in each country. Uh, and also with respect to climate, same thing. 
it, it, you don't you don't solve the problem unless you're having a globally coordinated approach to it. But at the same time, even though we have these different systems of government and economies, it still depends. Everybody has an interest in solving the problem because it's going to be terrible. The, the consequences are terrible for everyone in the in a basic economic sense and in a, in a health in a public health sense if you don't do anything about it. So to the extent that everybody can agree on the science that this is a problem, and then you start to agree on what's the what's the best steps to take, I'm I'm potentially I'm I'm optimistic that you can get back to what was originally started up with the Paris Agreement uh, and move that forward. So that's how I would think of this optimistically. Eric, as always, great to talk with you. Greatly appreciate your uh, your insight. Thank you very much, sir. All right. Thanks very much for asking me on. Thank you. Eric Orts, uh, Director of the Initiative for Global Environmental Leadership, also Professor of Legal Studies and Business Ethics here at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.